This is The Guardian. I'm Jane Lee, and this is Campaign Catch-Up, bringing you the top news and analysis about the 2022 federal election. It's Thursday, the 12th of May. Today, political editor Catherine Murphy joins me to take a longer view on what this campaign means for Australia's future. But first, here's what happened today. If we can stop one person from taking their life, then these um, services will be worth it. So a bit of an emotional um, day for me today, Prime Minister. Um, Thank you. Prime Minister Scott Morrison was back in Tasmania in the Liberals' most marginal seat of Bass with local Liberal MP Bridget Archer. They said a coalition government would partner with the Tasmanian government on a $55 million boost for mental health services, including specialised treatment for children in the state. Asked why the federal government wasn't committing the same level of funding for mental health as for submarines, Morrison said the coalition had doubled its spending levels in the area, which he linked to a slight drop in the number of suicides in the first year of the pandemic. But we were one of the countries that actually did probably more than any other to address the mental health needs of the country as it was going through this incredible trial. Now, we'll see ultimate figures come out for the 2020 year, but I can tell you at the start of the pandemic, one of the things that was concerning Greg and I greatly is that we would see a soaring in those rates, a soaring in those rates, and we didn't. The mystery behind the Department of Finance's reported $500,000 settlement with Education Minister Alan Tudge's ex-staffer, Rochelle Miller, continues. News Corp reported that legal correspondence between Miller's lawyers and the Department of Finance named both Tudge and Attorney-General Michaela Cash. That's despite Tudge telling reporters yesterday he didn't know anything about the matter. When the Prime Minister was asked about this today, he said the little he knew came from the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. Have you been briefed on the contents of the claim? Because well, I, it does I can't name be. Mr Tudge and it also names former employer... Well, I, I couldn't Cameron confirm Cash. that one way or the other. The only advice that I have on this matter is that it hadn't been settled. That was my last advice. And if there was any matter there that went to the conduct of any minister, any minister at all, that uh, related to uh, uh, the ministerial standards, then I would be advised of that. And, I've been, that and I have been advised of, of no such matters. Opposition leader Anthony Albanese was in the central Queensland seat of Flynn, promising $100 million to build a battery manufacturing precinct with the Queensland government. Last night, Albanese won the third and final leaders' debate. 50% of undecided voters in marginal seats around Australia voted for him, 34% voted for the PM, and 15% were still undecided. The leaders both argued they were tougher on asylum seekers and the economy but they had different views on the minimum wage. Albanese acknowledged the Fair Work Commission was an independent umpire, but maintained his support for a raise that kept up with inflation. If the Fair Work Commission grant a 5% increase, that's two cups of coffee a day. And the PM warned that businesses wouldn't be able to afford this raise. Well, if if Mr Albanese thinks small businesses around the country can can have a 5% increase in their wages bill on top of all the other things they're facing and see their ability to come through, then people won't be worrying about what their wages are. They'll be worrying about whether they have a job. They also stuck to their guns on the need for a federal integrity commission. Albanese argued that a commission was needed to counter voter disillusionment. One of the things that occurred was the revolving door of leadership uh, had an impact on both sides and led to disillusionment. But also the level of 
corrupt practices that we've seen in recent times has led to that as well. That's one of the reasons why we need a strong national anti-corruption commission. We need to restore faith in politics. Morrison also supported an independent integrity commission, but he stood by the government's draft bill on the issue, which was not introduced into the last term of parliament because he knew it didn't have enough support to pass into law. And when will you bring, we'll bring your bill forward. for an integrity commission before the parliament? If we can ensure that our bill can be passed, then I'm very happy to bring it forward. Coming up, Catherine Murphy is here to talk about how the contest is shaping up after the final leaders' debate last night. Hey Murph, how are you going? I'm all right, how are you? Tired, but good. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, pep in your step, We've Jane. This. We've got this. Three debates yeah, down, we've got one this. week to go. Exactly. We've got this. We've got this. Hit me with it. What do we need to know? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, ahead of next week, we've, we've seen a lot of the leaders over the last five weeks. Those two areas, Federal Integrity Commission and wages, are the big distinguishing factors. How do you think the leaders are looking to voters on those issues? What do you think they're thinking? Morrison's just got himself into a whole world of pain on an integrity commission and he's in a world of pain because his, uh, his colleagues don't agree on what the model should be. So that's that's just, I think, a mini debacle. Although I think the Prime Minister has always been of the view that that's not a vote changer. Now, this is going to be a test in 2022. We are going to get a live action test about whether or not a federal integrity commission is a vote changer. My gut tells me it is. He thinks it isn't. In terms of wages, it's key to the messages that the leaders have about themselves and each other. So that's why it's sort of crystallising around that issue. Obviously, cost of living, events have brought us to this juncture, right? We've got big inflation number, rising interest rates um, have conspired to push cost of living right to the centre of this election campaign. And in terms of the respective messaging, the Prime Minister, of course, is, uh, is going full brave in this election campaign, basically arguing that uh, workers on the lowest incomes in the country should get a real wage cut. That is what he's arguing. So, um, look, uh, maybe that'll work. Morrison's trying to use the wages debate to put booster jets on his strategy to tell voters Anthony Albanese represents a risk. He's got no idea what it's like to be a small business person trying to employ people with your house on the line and all your savings and yada, yada, yada. But I think, honestly, going to the Australian people after this very long period of stagnant wages growth and saying to them, oh, I think you need to actually take a, you know, a real cut, uh, I don't think that's going to be massively politically popular, Jane. In terms of Anthony Albanese, well, it's sort of part of his arsenal, I guess, as being a Labor leader who cares, a Labor leader who is connected to working people, who understands how difficult it is for working people, particularly after the last few years, particularly in this tricky environment with inflation back and, and cost of living pressure on the rise. So it's sort of part of this leadership that he's trying to model in this election, a more empathetic style of leadership. So wages distills the campaign messages down to their essence. 
Murph, new polling by YouGov was published in The Australian today, which says that Labor would comfortably win the election. It is, of course, not the first poll that has had them ahead, but this one claims to be more accurate than other polls because it uses different methodology from your standard robo-calling poll. It uses demographic and census data for each seat in the country to try to model the result more accurately. You've been saying all along that you think this election will be really tight. Does this result change your mind in any way? It is very interesting, this poll that the Australian's done. It's the, I think it's the first time that this particular methodology of polling has been used in Australia and on this scale. And my knowledgeable friends say to me that that particular methodology is certainly more credible than single-seat robo-polls which is all we've had access to really in the country up until now. We've seen this methodology applied in political contests overseas. Its track record as as a predictive measure is mixed. Sometimes it's been bang on, sometimes it's been way off. So we don't really know uh, just how accurate this is going to be anyway. And, And in terms of, you know, just our messages about polling, Jane, that we've been working away at, for three years in this organisation, they're not predictive. They are snapshots of moments in time. That's what they are. How much of your caution about these latest polls stems from the inaccuracy of the polls before the 2019 election? It's sort of not so much specific polls. It's the, it's the problem of polling at this point in time, right? It's very difficult to get to very disengaged voters. It's really difficult to get to those people. And pollsters try and basically weight their samples to take that into account. But I just don't know whether or not the survey data can get to the voting cohorts who ultimately decide elections because it's just getting harder and harder to do that. What about those who are not completely disaffected but are not convinced that the next three years in Australia are going to be particularly different either way? I mean, you've, you've obviously watched politics close up for a very long period of time. You've seen the way things ebb and flow. And I suppose I'm a pretty impatient person and I want everything <laughs> now. I would really like to, after being locked up in my house for two years, to put my yep. ballot paper in and have everything be better. And obviously that's not the way politics works, not the way the world works. But what would no. you say to voters like that who are engaged and interested and not completely switched off but are not feeling like there's much hope for the next three years to be much of an improvement one way or the other. The problem with that is if everybody takes that attitude, then nothing changes, first problem. Second problem, just because uh, things don't necessarily present to you as being radical or revolutionary, it doesn't mean that good can't be done. See, I've been working in and around politics for so long, I understand intimately that politics is the art of the possible. Mm. You've got to think about government, Jane, I think, as a really big ocean liner. It sort of chugs along, traverses the seas, slow to move, slow to tack, but once it tacks, it does go in a different direction. It sets, it sets up a trajectory of actions leading to a particular destination. So it's, it is sort of in an age of instant gratification, which is the age we live in, notwithstanding the difficulties we've all faced over the last couple of years. Yeah. We're all exhausted. We're sick of politicians and we're worried about the future. Something we haven't talked about yet is the role that the pandemic is playing in this campaign. How does all of that factor into the way voters see Australia's future, but also their choice at this election? Mm. 
perhaps one of the reasons people have lost faith in government as a force for progress is that there has been this period where the elected government of Australia, the Liberal and National Parties, have struggled to agree on on a bunch of policies. You know, there's been a lot of internal contest about a bunch of policies. Uh, so there hasn't, for the, the life of this government, been this sort of clear and present sense of a direction in the country, right? And that was then overlaid by two years of cataclysms of various types, where the government was literally, all the government had bandwidth for was events, rather than trying to set a course in the country. So again, I think that plays back into disaffection mm. because it's the immediate lived experience of people is that they think the country's sort of just been treading water for a long period of time. And therefore, nobody can change that dynamic because that just somehow must be, you know, hardwired into the, you know, into the building here in Parliament House, right? Must be hardwired that that governments can't do anything. Well, you know, that's that's not right. Different governments setting different courses of action in terms of how the country speaks and thinks about itself and 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 concrete policy decisions there are differences and some of those differences are actually quite stark right yeah at a sort of psychic level again it's a little bit unpredictable it depends where the kind of national mood is at if people actually just want to move on from the pandemic even though it is absolutely still here and among us that could actually play more to a reset mood. And we saw this in the South Australian election uh, recently where I think the South Australian Premier was the first incumbent government to fall in elections during the pandemic, right? So it, it kind of cuts both ways. It could make people more anxious and more inclined to stick with incumbents, but equally I think it could make uh, people more inclined to kick the incumbent out. Thanks so much for your time, Mo. It's all right. That's your campaign catch-up for today. If you haven't yet, go and subscribe to our political editor, Catherine Murphy's weekly podcast, Australian Politics. Catherine and all of the Canberra team will be answering your questions on the campaign every Saturday until the election. Just search for Australian Politics wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced by Alison Chan, Daniel Simo and me, Jane Lee. The executive producer is Miles Martignoni. Our theme music is by Martin Peralta. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.